Welcome home to the Tiny Hat Energy Podcast. My name is Amanda, and my commitment is to be radically vulnerable as I share my story, energy, and love with the intention it will help you as you journey through life. I am on a mission to help create a new world of love where space is saved for everyone's Tiny Hat Energy. My name for the energy present when we embody our most loving, vulnerable, and authentic self. Together, we will walk through both immense suffering, from trauma, addiction, incarceration, grief, and mental health, and immeasurable joy from overcoming suffering, finding my tiny hat energy, and living once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Every moment of my life has been a gift from grace calling me home to my natural state of love. After almost taking my life in a desperate attempt to stop suffering, I finally woke up and answered that call. I welcome you to join me on this journey of learning, unlearning, healing, and loving. I'm so grateful and humbled that the universe brought you here with me today, and I love you. Namaste and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be recording this in San Diego today. Our friends greeted us as we came back to stay on their land with a hug instead of welcome home, and that's exactly how it feels. I feel so at peace. I am working through a lot of the emotions around our recent trip back home. I'm just practicing the art of being. That has been my instruction from the universe for the next few days that's left of this year is just be. Don't be doing, just be. And today, this episode is about truth about mental health. Before I get into that, I want to disclaimer this with, I am obviously not a licensed mental health professional. I'm not giving any advice. I am not in any way diagnosing, curing, suggesting anything. I am simply sharing my experience and my thoughts and what I personally have come to see as truth in my life around this subject. I also want a disclaimer and say I am probably going to share some thoughts and things that you have never heard before. They may come up against some of your beliefs. They may make you uncomfortable. They may trigger you. As always, I encourage you to sit with that. It's okay. Just because I say something doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It doesn't mean that it has to be your experience. We are all living in our own realities, and I share this just to get you thinking. The entire purpose of this episode is to hopefully say something that maybe you haven't heard. So whether you struggle with mental health, you know someone who struggles with mental health, it's just to have a conversation. If there's one thing I think we can all agree on, it's that We obviously could use some help in this arena, and today I want to come at this from a spiritual lens. And so we're going to be looking at the spiritual side of mental health. I want to start that with my mental health journey. I know I shared a lot about it in my intro, in case you haven't heard those or you've forgotten. It's been a while. I remember my struggle with mental health starting really heavy around 11. I always had anxiety. I was always an anxious kid. I always was filled with a lot of fear of things and always, you know, had insomnia and nightmares and thoughts of self-harm. And I remember from a really young age, not wanting to live and not so much in a like suicidal, I want to die kind of way. I just didn't want to be here. I used to just like look up at the sky and feel so depressed and say, I want to go home. This place sucks. I don't want to be here anymore. And so when I turned 11 and, you know, all the hormonal changes and whatnot going on, 
I started to really struggle with self-harm behaviors, anxiety, depression, mood swings, and that pretty much followed me all the way up to 19 when I started self-medicating with substances, with heroin. Through my addiction, my mental health really took a turn into new things like paranoia. You know, when you're using methamphetamines like that, really messes with your mind. And my concept of reality started to get really warped. When I went to prison and got clean, so this is about 21 to 23, I was really struggling in prison and I actually went back on medication. I've been on medication many times. I have taken all the heavy hitters. You know, I went up to the mental health professional there and was like, I'm just, I'm really struggling. Like I've been clean for you know, I think at that point it was like six, nine months. I'm not feeling any better. You know, it's, I'm supposed to be feeling better by now. Like you said, drugs was the problem. And I really believed that. I really believed that my addiction was the problem. And so the meds not only didn't help, they made everything worse. For me personally, in my experience, medication, my body rejected them. They made me feel horrible. Effexor gave me suicidal thoughts. Lithium just put me in bed all day. Lamictal made me so sick to my stomach, I couldn't eat and I was a skeleton. It was just such a roller coaster ride with medication for me. I don't know that they ever made me feel better. So when I got out of prison, for a while there, I was still struggling with depression. I, I was still struggling with anxiety, insomnia, all of the things. Tried medication again, that didn't work. From that point, I, up until 2021, when everything with my father happened, I spent the large majority of those four years just kind of suffering through it. COVID times were really tough. I almost considered getting back on medication during that period. Like anything, it was kind of like a roller coaster and a wave, and I just got really good at living with it. At this point, I'm in my late 20s. I've been dealing with this for well over a half of my life, and when everything with my dad happened, I completely tanked and all of the things, PTSD, anxiety, depression, mood swings, paranoia, insomnia, it, it all hit me like a train. And there was a time period there where without Xanax during the day and Seroquel at night to knock me out, I couldn't function and I couldn't sleep. Not that I could really function on those, but it was something. When my spiritual awakening happened, so 2021 was like my dark night of the soul year. It's a common term in spirituality. Everything happened. We had eight deaths. We lost two uncles. We lost my dad. You know, the pregnancy that we lost, it just was a really horrific year. Going into 2022, so the start of last year, two years ago, when my spiritual awakening started, I really started quickly to have downloads around all the things I'm going to share with you today. I really started to realize mental health and my mental health was spiritual sickness, was distorted energy, was stored trauma in my body, was all of these things that I'm going to talk about here. And so once I kind of stopped viewing it as my genes or my brain or my chemicals are broken, there's something wrong with me and I need a pill to make me normal, newsflash, there's no normal. That's the lie we've all been sold. Once I separated from that belief that society, doctors, Western medicine, my family had ingrained in my mind and started to form my own beliefs and view myself as a spiritual being in a physical body, 
I started to learn how to work with my body and quit trying to change it, quit resisting, quit feeding the narrative that something was wrong with me. Some spiritual causes that I'm going to talk about today, kind of some core ones that we talk about in the spiritual space and that I came to know about was trauma being stored energetically in your physical body. This is a real thing. There's science around it. You can definitely do a lot of research on that. This blew my mind. I couldn't even believe it. But I will tell you, when Eric started doing somatic body work and Reiki on my arms, specifically my forearms and kind of the crease where my elbow is, holy crap, was a lot of trauma stored there. And it was absolutely a physical release. It was absolutely a physical sensation. I've had you know, physical trauma stored in my ovary where I had the cyst when I was pregnant and lost the pregnancy. It's just really interesting when you start to really check in with your body how trauma stores. Another thing is ego. When I started to realize, oh, I have this thing, this ego that is a part of my mind, is my mind really, and how that played into things like personality disorders especially. Another one is limiting beliefs. Our subconscious mind rules our world And there's so much of it that we don't see. And when we have limiting beliefs in our subconscious mind, it manifests as, let's say, depression. I think I've mentioned it a few times, but it's really important for this conversation. Write this down. Work through it with me. I'm going to go through ego real quick again because I was 30 years old when I learned this information and I learned it in spiritual school. There are three core negative human emotions, and that's fear, anger, and sadness. Everything can kind of come back to that, right? Anxiety is fear. Lonely, sad. They all come back to those core three negative emotions. And each one has a correlating limiting belief. Starting with sadness, when I am feeling the emotion, I'm experiencing the emotion of sadness, it is somehow rooted in a core limiting belief of lack. Lack being I'm lacking love, I'm lacking money, I'm lacking friends, I'm lacking whatever thing just broke. I'm now lacking because this person passed away and so I'm sad. I'm feeling the emotion of sadness because I'm believing this subconscious belief in my mind that I'm now lacking love because my dad's no longer here. We could go off on a whole side trail of that on grief. If that kind of got your wheels spinning dig into that because that really helped me with my grief journey. So that's sadness. Then you have anger. Anger comes from the attachment to outcomes. When Eric does something that upsets my ego and I'm triggered and I feel the emotion of anger, it's because I'm attached to an outcome. I am attached to I thought you should behave this way or I wanted you to behave this way and you didn't and so now I feel anger. Or you said you were going to do this thing and you didn't do it and so I feel betrayed and I'm feeling anger because I'm attached to the outcome of you behaving a certain way. The third one is fear and fear comes from the limiting belief of I am in control. We are not in control at all. We, and so the opposite of that is I am being lived. When we believe that we're in control, when we have this belief in our subconscious mind, and then something happens outside of our control, or we're in a situation where we can't control things, we feel the emotion of fear. Aaron Abke has amazing teachings on this stuff, especially on this emotional guidance system. I'm going to say one sentence on it, but it's basically the truth that emotions are messengers. They're a good thing. 
they're there to point you in a direction. They're there to show you what needs to be healed. They're there to say, hey, hey, we have an incorrect belief here. It all comes back down to that belief in lack. I want to get into a couple of categories here. I want to look at personality disorders, depression and anxiety, and PTSD. I feel like those are kind of the three biggins, and they've all played a part in my story. Starting with personality disorders, I have come to experience the truth that this all has to do with ego and behavior patterns. Learned behavior patterns for survival. That is essentially spiritually what a personality disorder is. You have learned in your subconscious mind, you've ingrained these egoic limiting beliefs. You're identified with your ego, and so you are behaving with these behaviors, these behaviors that you think are going to keep you safe. And you may not even be thinking about them. They're typically completely unconscious. They're just patterns and loops that are neural pathways that we just keep walking and we don't even realize it. It just becomes our normal because we're identified with our ego. So our ego's in control. Conscious you, the soul, the being is not. It's the ego, the mind, One of the big ones for personality disorders is narcissism. I know this was a really big buzzword. It's something that I've used before. It's something that I have had used on me before. And it's really interesting because this word came to me first when about a year ago when Eric and I were going through our really tough time and our separation, we had some friends reach out to him and say, hey, we think Amanda has narcissistic personality disorder. It's really interesting because we were actually exploring together that he might have that. And we both started to really look into this and look into these words and look into the diagnosis and look into the behaviors. And it was kind of this dawning moment of, wow, we both have some of these tendencies. Like these, everyone I know has these tendencies. And our running joke now is, and I don't make jokes because narcissistic behaviors are very damaging. I know I have a long history with them and I've learned a lot about it this year especially in my Sovereign Spirit program, which is a program for those recovering from narcissistic abuse. All egos are narcissists. Everyone has an ego, thus everyone has narcissistic tendencies. And the more we normalize that all egos have a personality disorder, that all people who are identified with their ego are behaving in ways that can be classified as a personality disorder... The more we can move past all the labels, move past all the judgment and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and just acknowledge it for what it is, behaviors. It's not who you are. It doesn't mean you're a shitty person. It just means you have unhealed trauma. And because of that unhealed trauma and that unresolved energy, you have unhealthy behaviors. That's all that it is. And when Eric and I realized that and looked at each other and we're like, wow, we both have a ton of unhealthy behaviors and started naming the behaviors and quit calling ourselves borderline and narcissistic and bipolar and all of these things, things got better without medication, without therapy. I'm going to get into some of those things that we did here in a bit. Everyone has an ego. Every ego has a personality disorder. Every ego is narcissistic. Every ego thinks it's the only thing. You only think about your reality. How many times ever in your entire life, let alone a day, do you stop and consciously think about someone else's reality, about someone else's experience, actually thinking, what are they experiencing right now? What do they think? What do they feel? We all, when we're identified with our egos, are living in our own world. 
The next one is depression and anxiety. I think it's really clear after what I said earlier with ego, this just goes right back to limiting beliefs. When we are depressed, we're really, really, really sad for an extended period of time. There's a deep, deep, deep belief in lack. Again, that can manifest a lot of different ways. I'm not sure what that is maybe in your journey. Anxiety, fear, the feeling of not being in control. For me, this was a huge one. I had a lot of anxiety. Anxiety is something that until very recently plagued my life for as long as I can remember. I'm talking five, four, three years old, y'all. It's all fear. Knowing I wasn't in control and feeling like I wasn't in control manifested as the physical symptom of anxiety. As soon as I started to spiritually awaken and accept I wasn't in control and that I was just being lived and experiencing this life, which is just a dream, my anxiety disappeared overnight. And situations that would normally make me panic attack mode, I smile through. I laugh through now. Anxiety is such a distant part of my past. And to even be able to say that, most people would do, you know, intense therapies, intense medication, and those things are great tools for certain people at certain levels of consciousness at certain points in their life. I'm not saying those things are not good. I'm just saying when you really, really do the work, when you find the core cause, Western medicine says, oh, you have anxiety? Here's some benzos. That's not getting down into the core of what's really causing it. Spiritually, when we do that work, inner work, child work, shadow work, whatever you want to call it, we really start to unlock those things in our body and in our minds, our subconscious minds. Talk therapy is conscious. I'm talking subconscious. This is going inward, going into the subconscious mind and rewiring your thinking. The third category here, which I feel like plagues so much of adults today is PTSD or CPTSD. This one is obvious as well. Trauma, right? We all have trauma. Every single human being on this planet, just by being on this planet and witnessing the things that happen on this planet, has trauma. There's generational trauma. There's ancestral trauma. There are so many types of trauma, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual trauma, sexual trauma. All trauma is is an intense moment that happened. And intense can be different for everybody. For some people, walking across the crosswalk and almost getting hit by a car is trauma. Getting in a car accident can be trauma. Some people, getting in a car accident's no big deal. Trauma is not a competition. Trauma is trauma. It just is what it is. As each person experienced it based on their state of consciousness at that time and how their body and their mind and their soul interpreted it. That's all. We all have it. And we all need to do work around it. And we're all avoiding that work. And that is exactly what got us to where we are today. That's why the suicide rates are so high. That's why we have this epidemic of mental health in this country is because we're not getting to the root problem. We're not getting to the trauma. We're not getting to the energy. We're not getting to the inner work. I mentioned some of these. I was thinking about things that can kind of cause this spiritual and physical manifestation of symptoms that Western medicine and, and doctors and psychiatrists would like to label as mental health diagnoses. And I have unresolved energy, karma, past life, ancestral. You can actually carry trauma from your past life. 
I'm not going to go super into this. It's okay if you don't believe that. There's lots of great research out there and resources for past life regression and past life work. QHHT is really awesome. Ancestral is your family line. Your genes store trauma that those before you, your grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, generations back. And this is what we mean when we say trauma gets passed down through families. Think about that for a moment. What if, for just a moment, consider the thought that if you don't work through your trauma, if you don't talk about that thing that you don't want to talk about, if you don't face that thing that you're repressing, and what if that passes down to your kids and their kids? I know I've done a lot of body somatic, acupuncture, Reiki work. Ancestral stuff comes up and it's interesting because I'm very aware that it's not mine and it's not my trauma and yet here it is impacting me. Mine comes a lot in the form of anger and rage and that's been passing down from both my parents up, you know, for quite a while and I don't know that my family even realizes that. I certainly didn't realize it. Unresolved energy is Anything that you haven't worked through, anything you haven't forgiven, anything you haven't grieved, anything you haven't processed, that's energy. And while you can, with your mind, push it out and ignore it and escapism and numb it and all of those things, it's still existing. Just because it's not existing in your conscious awareness doesn't mean it's not still existing in your body. It causes sickness, that stress, it causes cancer and heart disease and all of these things just from having that unresolved energy. The only way out is through, and while it gets a little bit worse before it gets better, it gets better, and you can actually live a life where you're not run by that trauma anymore. The last section I have here is some things that you can use to help work through this stuff, and the first one that's here is plant medicine, and I actually have it here on its own because I cannot talk enough about plant medicine and how groundbreaking and revolutionary it is. It has been in my journey, in Eric and I's journey. I've just seen what this can do. We're seeing now MDMA being used for PTSD treatment. We're seeing psilocybin therapy, which I've done. We're seeing all of these things start to be recognized. Cannabis as medicine. It's okay if that doesn't work for you. It's okay if that's not for you. All I'm asking you to do is keep an open mind. The two months of microdosing psilocybin therapy that I did changed my entire reality for the better. When I try to describe it to people, I describe it as it's as if there was this cloudy film ever so slight across my life for 30 years. And I'm getting emotional talking about it because it's that profound, y'all. For the first time in my entire life at 30 years old when I did this I felt like somebody removed that film and for the most part that film is gone permanently now when I was grieving my father in 2021 I was in a really dark place and having really dark behaviors and having really dark thoughts and when I had put a loaded gun to my head I was so desperate, and the only thing that helped me get through my grief with my father was LSD. I had two times specifically. One was at home, and one was actually on vacation. I'm not going to say the place. (laughs) I 
literally laid in bed in our hotel room for eight hours straight and cried with my partner. It was enough to take me into a space where I was safe enough to go and do this really treacherous grief work. And from that trip, both plant medicine and vacation, on, I finally was on the upswing. I finally could see a life without my dad. For both Eric and I, and especially our relationship, we've had plant medicine be a huge part of our healing journey because, whoa, did we have some trauma to work through. You can learn about that on our podcast. (laughs) The other really big one has been cannabis. Eric and I really liked cannabis before. I wouldn't say we were abusers. We were definitely evening and weekend users and treated it as weed, as, as a drug. I call it cannabis and plant medicine now. And about a year ago, we started microdosing edibles. So I'm talking 2.5 milligrams. They sell them on average at 100 milligrams, and they tell you to take somewhere between 5 and 25, depending on who you ask. So we're talking about taking 2.5 out of 100. We started taking it as medicine every day. It is what got Eric off of his antidepressants. Sometimes we try to pull that back, and it goes well, and sometimes it's needed and it's been this journey of trusting our bodies to know what they need. I don't know what I would have done this year without cannabis. It has been such a big part of my journey. We're now doing monthly cannabis breathwork classes, which moves me into my second list here of some of the other stuff. I'll get off my plant medicine soapbox. Keep an open mind. It's okay if it's not for you. We need to get to a place where these things are accessible to everyone because they work and they help people when it's done safely and lab grade and all of the things. I'm so happy to see where we're getting to as a culture and a society right now. Some other things I have on my list are somatic body work. You can do a lot of research on that. That's really working with the physical body to get in where those traumas are stored and help move things along. Acupuncture has been huge for me. I know I've mentioned it so many times, They're needles that go into energy points and help correct the chi or flow of energy in your body. And if you're like me and you're really in tune and you're really open and you're really reactive and you use plant medicine with it, you will actually feel the needles moving. You will feel your energy correcting. You will feel yourself straightening. It's really cool. Vagus nerve work. If you've never heard of your vagus nerve, no worries. Neither had I. Google it. That's all I'm going to say on that one. It runs on the left side of your body. It is a really massive nerve and it is linked to more things than you could ever imagine. Breath work. The breath is prana. That is your life force. The breath is what sustains you. Breath work is tuning in and learning to work with that breath, learning to focus all of your energy, mind-heart coherence, The last two on here, the big hitters, there's a reason they're the big hitters. There's a reason they're so popular, and it's meditation and yoga. Meditation is my number one thing. Every day, as much as humanly possible, sometimes twice a day, sometimes like today, multiple times a day, meditation, be it silent, guided, breathing, is vital. There's really no escaping it when you're doing inner work and walking a spiritual path. It's what grounds you as your energy starts to increase. It's what grounds you when you are working through tough stuff. Meditation is so, 
so impactful. Even if you can only do it for a minute, two minutes, five minutes with headphones, listening to a thing on YouTube, look up binaural beats, look up frequency music. The Calm app is awesome. There's so many apps out there. Just start. You will learn. I couldn't even sit with myself for five minutes. It was like torture a year ago today. Five minutes was torture. I can now deeply alter brainwave, leave this universe, meditate for an hour. And it has changed everything for me. It's taught me how to observe my thoughts. It's taught me how to be comfortable in silence. It's taught me how to be aware of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what's going on in my body. It's taught me how to listen, how to tune into the universe, how to connect with myself, with my breath, with my heartbeat, with my energy centers, my chakras. I love meditation. It's my happy place. (laughs) And yoga is really cool because for me and a lot of people, my one-on-one yoga teacher, Allie, she's amazing, will get me into positions that my body has never been in before. And I'm very aware of a muscle, a nerve, a vein, a something moving or being activated or being pressured or being released for the first time ever in my life. And I will feel this thing happen and I will start to cry because my body is like, oh my gosh, that thing has finally been relieved or that thing has finally been activated or I finally have awareness of that thing. It's literally straightening my spine. My posture is incredible. I used to have the worst posture. Yoga has been amazing. There are so many types of yoga. It really, really helps. And I don't work out at all. I don't go to the gym at all. I only go to the gym for showers. I don't work out and I have a six pack from doing yoga weekly for three months now. I am so toned. I have found new muscles in my body that I didn't even know I had. My legs look like they've never looked before, even working out. Yoga really tones your entire body just by sitting there and doing poses for an hour. It's like a full body workout and I can be sore for days. Okay, we got through all that. I want to come back to this truth about mental health. The truth about mental health is we all have it. Mental health is a spectrum. Everything in life is a spectrum from one to 100. And you couldn't be a zero because then you wouldn't exist. Everything is on the spectrum. Even if it's just 0.001, it's on there. And we all experience these periods of our mental health ebbing and flowing. What if we started to look at that as an opportunity for growth? What if we started to look at these really intense emotions as messengers, as signals. Hey, I'm feeling this really intense emotion around my dad because I haven't done the grief work yet. Mental health is a spiritual journey and I tried the medication journey and that works for some people and that's wonderful. We all have our own journey. We're all different. If you're someone who, for whatever reason, that one isn't working, you're still struggling with these things, maybe something in this podcast episode will help. And that's why I share all of this. I just want to help. And I really want us all to get to a place where we realize stigma isn't even a thing. There's nothing to stigma. We're a soul, a a spiritual being, whatever you want to call it, having this human experience. We all have minds. We all have egos. All egos are narcissists. 
as soon as we can just scratch out the label, scratch out the DSM-5, scratch out this and that and the other thing, and just get into our body, look inward, get into our subconscious mind, what is this trying to tell me? What work needs to be done here? And most importantly, what needs to be loved? My challenge for you today is to take one thing that you heard in this video that really, really resonated or really piqued your interest and do some research on it. Do some research and see how you can incorporate that into your life. Even if you're not struggling deeply with mental health, how can you incorporate some of these healthy things like meditation and breath work? How can you start working to heal this stuff so that we can heal the world, so that we can heal our children and the generations that come after? Something that came up from one of my spiritual teachers that I am learning from was heal your mind, save the world. That's how you do it. If you want a better world, it starts with you. It starts with looking within and healing your mind. Only then can we make a difference. Only then can we collectively as a species get out of this place that we're in. As always, I love you. If you are going through a hard time, you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You are experiencing them. They're just here to help you. They're just here to show you where your thinking may be off or where something needs to be loved. Thank you so much for being here with me today and I will see you soon.